Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we got some new rumors of iOS 17 coming soon. What are some of the features that will be coming? iOS 15 buttons, Apple Pay savings account might be launching soon, and a new book of Steve Jobs' letters and notes. And it's actually really good. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Headspace, one of my favorites, I'll be honest. And also joining me is another one of my favorites, Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Just uh, coming up with more iOS 17 um, rumors to uh, write for just, our website. Just generating them? You're just yeah, uh, getting chat I'm, GPT? I'm, I'm chat GPT <laughs> generated <laughs> rumors. One quick five-star review shout out. 999 Haunts from the USA. I think he's a few months early. Halloween's in October. But we appreciate the five-star review. So thank you for that. So iOS 17 rumors. This was a Twitter user, Analyst941. He's also in the uh, Mac forums as user Anonymous AS. He supposedly has a list of iOS 17 features or what these are the things that will be announced with iOS 17 at WWDC. Spoiler, there's going to be features. There's going to be updates. You know, like <laughs> that's the thing. To speak on this person, I mean, yeah. if we look back, uh, this guy leaked out the, what is it? The privacy dots, the microphone oh, okay. and camera dots that show up yeah the orange and green like your microphone is being used by this application yeah camera they button. would show up in the dynamic island right. um and that's that's great that was that was a good that was a good get as i, I wrote the article about this rumor and I, I mean again nothing nothing against this guy i'm sure they have some kind of source maybe they have a friend on the software team i don't know right. but it also is that weird thing where you can kind of just guess <laughs> these things yeah make sure we're remaining skeptical here as we go into the this list of ios 17 things if he gets, if this list is 100% accurate, because this guy is confident. Now go read his tweets because yeah. he's just like challenging Mark Gurman to a duel. And <laughs> like there's, you know, it, it, there's just absolute confidence here. So we'll see what happens at WWDC. And if this guy is accurate, we'll definitely be watching him in the future. It's just right now we don't have enough information to say yes or no. Right. And there was more than in this list, but I just want to cover the big things. Number one, control center updates, which we already had this rumor last week when we talked about it. So control center updates. Dynamic Island will do a lot more, which, okay, Dynamic Island, it was a feature that just came out last year with the 14 Pro, so I imagine it will do more. More always-on display settings, which has been settings launching even subsequently after the iPhone 14 Pro launched, you know, as far as putting it in focus modes and doing the shortcut steps, being able to dim the wallpaper and all that kind of stuff, so, but more always-on display settings, focus mode filters settings, which, again, they've been adding settings and more features to the focus mode filters. A welcome change. I love to see more options and focus filters. Notification changes. I feel like that changes almost every WWDC, at least slightly. The big one that I think here is active widgets, he says, is being worked on. This would mean interactive widgets, where you don't just tap a widget and it opens the app, but like the things widget could have a little plus icon on the widget, add it to do right there on the home screen without having to jump into the app. This would be great. This would also be great if Apple had a section of the keynote where Apple Home, their first party app to control HomeKit and smart home devices, actually had interactive widgets where you could like open your garage door right from your home screen or control your lights and control scenes right from the home screen with a first party widget from their app. I mean, I think that would be great. Uh, we'll see if that's there. Car key improvements, health app UI changes, camera app changes, which that would be interesting. I have some thoughts on the camera app. Improved search and spotlight. That would always be nice. I and mean, again, that's like, Features Apple's probably improving all the time. And then he said lots of AR kit APIs and frameworks, which is the augmented reality developer side of Right. So there's there's a fifteen item list here and I, I will say that at least five of them like or five or six of them are 
uh, things we've heard before, and mm -hmm. I, I included links to th the things we heard before, yeah. the compatibility list for iOS 16, including everything everything that's there now and, and whatnot. Control center changes have already been um, rumored by multiple leakers. So, but yes, the, the remainder of the list uh, that you mentioned, like the different settings, focus filters, those can all be derived from iOS 16 did this, so iOS 17 should do more of it. You know, That's why I, I'm just feeling really iffy about this one. If I was to sit down and make a list of features, it would include most of this, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I even had to. Uh, I wrote the iOS 17 inside page a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. We didn't have as much information then, even as we do now, and I had to like you know, do some research and figure out like what, what would Apple do this year for iOS 17? And there's some stuff that I discovered that this guy didn't even mention, which understand probably won't be announced at WWDC because it's regular regulation re related, right? With the EU and all of that, mm. it still seems like something Apple might have to address with developers ahead of time. Maybe benefit of the doubt here, not going to happen at WWDC because these regulations don't go into effect until 2024. But I mean, no mention of side loading or third-party app stores. Right. No uh, mention of WebKit not being a requirement for third-party browsers. Uh, no mention of the previously rumored iMessage redesign, which was sketchy in the first place. So I give him that. Yeah. On top of that, everything that could be revolutionary or seen as like a big deal, he kind of hedges on. It's like it could be or it won't. So that's <laughs> right. that's what again makes this list so suspect. So the camera uh, feature that you mentioned was rumored. Apparently, I, I I don't remember this rumor, but apparently there was a rumor that Apple would have a more custom Pro app camera app. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah. So uh, for the big, you know, fifty megapixel iPhone 14 change and everything that was coming last year that was rumored for the phone it was going to come never did this one would only be for the iPhone 15 Pro probably uh, lineup right and I mean I get it there's a, a periscoping a camera rumored for the iPhone 15 Pro but Apple's not going to come out and say Jen uh, we have support for up to 50x zoom in our software now don't worry it's not there yet but it will be right <laughs> like yeah, that's, and they, yeah that's not how they announce things they never do so, that I will the reason why I mentioned the camera app though is because I could see a redesign of the current camera app, which can actually have really drastic improvements. And I experienced this just the other day because my, my wife was trying to take a photo and she needed the flash on. Like it was trying to take a photo like underneath something, try and see under the couch. I forget exactly what it was. But if you want to force the flash on, like the UI in the current iPhone camera app is not exactly intuitive for that. You're, you're four taps away from everything. You're four taps away from everything. So you have like the flash icon that's on the camera screen when you first open the camera. It's a little in the top left corner if you're holding it vertically. But that actually doesn't force the flash on. That just enables the flash and it's in auto mode when you do that. To actually force the flash to flash when you take a picture, you actually have to pull up that kind of like secret menu. <laughs> but in order to do that, you have to tap the little arrow that's on the opposite side of the screen. And if you tap that little arrow, now it by the shutter button, it shows all these other options like aspect ratio, exposure, the photographic styles, like changing the warmth and tone, live photo, night mode. And there is where you can choose flash on and force the flash. You can get that with a swipe as well, but it is not intuitive to swipe there. And the arrow to pull up that little menu is on the opposite side of the screen. So I feel like it would be beneficial to rethink how some of those controls are. And I get it. There's like a lot of controls in the camera app now because it can do a lot of stuff like night mode. I have a pro raw thing in my camera app and there's like the shared photo album. So if you want to take a picture and have it go straight to your iCloud shared photo library, there's a little icon for that. So there's a lot of little icons now in the camera app 
And I feel like it could do with a redesign and rethinking of where that stuff is laid out. There is a surprising number of controls, considering we're talking about Apple um, in the camera app. And yeah, it could just definitely do, use a better UI. I mean, yeah. look at uh, Halide. Uh, they do a great job displaying a lot of controls because they're a manual uh, camera app. And it, it is much less confusing than Apple's um, camera app. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I find some, like, I hate the dis disappearing buttons because I go to take a uh, photo and I want to lock macro mode in and I go to hit the button and it goes away because it no longer detects I'm close right. enough to the subject or <laughs> I want to turn macro mode off. So I get close to the subject. It appears. I go to hit the button to turn off macro mode. It disappears under my thumb. I go to take the picture. Macro mode's back on anyway. It's just it, it it's a fight <laughs> with the disappearing software, which is clever um, in concept, but it can get in the way of actually taking a photo. Yeah, and I will actually this was a change when the ultra wide camera, I think, was added to the iPhone, where when you're in the camera app, you actually see it's a transparent, like, what, 50, 60 percent opacity by the shutter button and the words. You can turn that off. You can't turn that off because it turns off when you pull up that secret menu, you know, or you tap the little arrow, it'll black out totally. So this this is a very odd feature that has actually been around since uh, sweater mode. Um, deep Deep fusion. Yes. So Deep Fusion was announced. And this and the reason why I remember that is because there, there was that very odd specific software uh, limitation where if view camera outside of the frame uh, was turned on, oh, Deep Fusion okay. was turned off for we, we have no idea. We still don't know why that was that was the case. I don't think that is the case anymore because Deep Fusion is baked into so much. Um, but that toggle is still in settings. It's on by default, but you can turn it off if it drives you insane. And I, it sometimes does drive you insane. <laughs> <laughs> it is under the composition. So you go to the settings app, you go to camera under the composition section, it's view outside the frame and you can toggle that off. And now, oh my goodness. Love it. A couple, couple more mentions. He's still uh, tweeting. He's been uh, tweeting clarifications to certain of these if you go look. Leakers don't generally release large amounts of information like this because it becomes an issue, because the accuracy question of, well, five of them were right and 12 of them were wrong, are they accurate, right? Well, again, right. the um, one I wanted to bring attention to is active widgets. Yes. This one's weird because if you listen to the 30 Apple podcasts I do, you, you've heard the developers of like Widget Smith and stuff talk about this. People have been asking for active widgets since the idea of widgets. And there's a problem. They're based on watch kits complications, right. which are also just buttons that launch apps. They The foundation is not there. They would have to start over. And Apple, I don't think, would go halfway here. They're not going to just say, okay, we're going to redo how widgets work on iOS, but complications are going to stay the same on Apple Watch. I don't see them doing that. The, there's too much dependency. Developers would have to switch yet again from the previous Today View widgets, then to this the, the current widget style, to this new widget style, all within a few years of each other. Apple does do this sometimes with some software, but not this frequent. That would be just a huge ask of developers. And it would create a fragmented library of software choices, not only for developers, but for users, would need to happen at a more specific point in time. If this was to happen, and I, I'm not saying active widgets will never happen, but for it to happen, huge changes to iOS would also need to be happening at the same time, huge changes to watchOS. And I know that one of the rumors this year is that watchOS might get a redesign, which would be the perfect time to abandon the old watch kit, the old way of complications, the old way of widgets, and move to this new system. But a watchOS redesign this far in does also seem pretty iffy as a rumor. Don't see the active widgets thing happening. And again, 
they also hedge this one as, or maybe not. I'll, I'll take a little devil's advocate stance. Widgets were launched in 2020 with iOS 14. Mm-hmm. So this will be three years after that. And right now I'm, I'm actually looking at the developer.apple.com widget kit documentation. And it's talking about, this is what developers use to build widgets on iPhone. You have widget kit, basically they watch complications like Wes, you were just saying. I feel like they could, like when Swift launched, if you wanted to build an app, you could do it in Objective-C, you could do it in Swift, both for the iPhone, compile both. On the Mac, you could still do Coco or you can do Swift. So I feel like, yes, it would take a large change for developers to basically rewrite their widgets if it's necessary in another language. But I totally could see Apple supporting both to say, do nothing. All of your current widgets still work just like they do. You can keep building on them. If all you need is a display widget, you know, I think about Carrot Weather, which I've been using a lot of since our last episode. It's my main weather app. You know, Carrot Weather might say, I don't really need interactivity because my widgets are mainly for displaying the weather and it doesn't require any kind of user interaction. They could just leave it for the next several years as long as that's supported. But if a developer, let's say Marco Arment, wants his overcast widget to be able to play and pause from the widget, that he could rebuild his widget in something else. And now all of a sudden there's interactivity. Honestly, I can only think of like three use cases like the one you just brought up that would actually be useful with interactive widgets. There's so many controls already on top of widgets, like swiping between different widgets in a stack. So I I don't see a lot of like swiping controls because that would interfere with the current swiping control. The only thing they could do is add a tap feature, but what does that do? They could probably build schemes on top of the static widgets that let you just tap a button and not launch an app. So play pause, stuff like that could make it into the current system by just building layers on top. But these the static details, like Apple needs to get better about how the information is displayed. Like the now playing widgets for music need to get better about showing AirPlay 2 information if I want it or updating the music as frequent more frequently. Like there's a lot of things that can go into widgets as they exist that would make it better. That would honestly probably make people stop talking about active widgets because <laughs> there's only a few things that can really make active widgets useful. And it's only like, in, like again, uh, a music player, a couple of things. I know Android's had these things forever. I've used Android's widget system. It's fine. But again, how much of it is information and how much of it is interactive? You're not, mm-hmm. how much time do you really want to spend on your home screen? Again, Apple's whole concept as an operating system since it began, even with widgets now is how can we get you to the app as quick as possible? Yeah. Well, so I'm going to take devil's advocate again. And so I'm, I'm swiping through my widgets as you're saying that. And as far as interactivity, here's what I would like. I have a widget stack on my home screen. I've carrot weather up the front. That's fine. Don't need to interact with that. Fantastical number two. There's actually a little plus button on the Fantastical widget that makes it look like you can add a calendar event. Right. It just launches Fantastical. But it'd be great if just that little window popped up right here and I never had to go into the app deliveries i use that widget and it'd be great if there was a little plus button on there where f- what about an interstitial you mean like like a, like a modal like the 3d touch bring 3d touch back oh goodness <laughs> i'm down oh, well, down <laughs> well what if what so i mean I'm, I'm just arguing on the side of apple because again how do we do this without redesigning the entire system so what if apple gave developers the ability to say when you tap this button instead of launching an app launch uh, a dynamic island widget that pops up with buttons that you can press 
us so for like a now playing control or uh, tap this button to add a calendar event or customize it in a modal window so just launch a miniature version of fantastic cal in a modal once you're done creating your calendar event you hit okay it goes away and you're back on your home screen interstitials like that i think would work but i mean i just full interactivity requires quite a lot and i and changes how the operating system works and just don't i don't know how apple feels about that i mean it would be interesting to see how they take that moving forward yeah i mean again i would like it on deliveries i would like it on the find my app to be able to (laughs) go to different people the uh, i I could definitely go through the list as well and 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 find plenty of places i mean i'm not saying there's no place where interactivity would work it's just i feel like it is a limited concept in the fact that you know once you have those four five six things and that, that's that's a lot of things sure but even so like when you tap and hold on an app right now it brings up that modal menu which used to be 3d touch now you tap and hold on an app i haven't left the home screen yet so i did it with the music app i have the music app on my home screen tap and hold on the icon brings up that little menu and you have options one of the options is play most recent so whatever song mm-hmm. you were listening to you can just tap play most recent and it would be amazing but if it just started playing and didn't kick me over to the app. Because right now, if I tap Play Most Recent on the music app, Apple's own app, it opens the full music app. But you understand why it does that, even on Apple's app? It has to launch the app. The apps aren't running, right? So the widgets are just views. They're they're static. Yeah, but I don't don't buy it because you can go to the control center and you can tap Play on the Now Playing widget and it never opens the app. Right. And I, I and I think that's the 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 difference here is like the the control center I think is a, a different function. And I mean, and I and I'm not arguing against you or anything. It's just I think you're arguing against me, Wes. I think we're going to take Well, go to yeah, right. We're going to have to fight. I'm going to take my glove off. The ah. difference in the technology, right? Cuz it's static. Um basically from my understanding is is the widget as it stands today is a blo- a modal block that sits right. on your home screen that fetches an image every 30 seconds <laughs> right. from like a still image from whatever app it's pulling from yeah. to display information. And that's it. It's just, it's literally yeah. an image viewer. The reason why you can tap different parts of it is they can do different actions based on like four quadrants within a widget block. Right. That's, that's how they work now. So yeah, when you tap on, Apple Music on the home screen or literally any third-party app or anything, to do an action, it launches the app because the app was never running. Or even if it was running in background, the widget doesn't actually have that information. It doesn't know that it's running in background. It has to go check. So maybe it could do like shortcuts Mm. where it just throws the launching action into the dynamic island. And like, you know, like there's there's tricks here Apple could do to further the system, but as it exists, it would require a complete rewrite. And that's why I'm skeptical of that rumor if we bring it full circle. Yeah, I think I, I hope we see interactive widgets. <laughs> All right. I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just it's it's gonna be pa- it's gonna be painful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And developers, I mean, it, it would be work. I'm not saying it would be a, a seamless experience, but I do feel like eventually. Right. It has to do whether or not it's this year. I think who knows. One more from this, uh, Mister Anonymous. Yeah. Go All ahead. right. So he uh, directly contradicted uh, the recent rumor iphone 15 pro may not get solid state buttons right so we've been talking about solid state buttons for a while will they replace the meat switch with a button that we can do programmable logic in yada yada and he's just straight up said no it's still there um and he went on twitter and and doubled down and said it's crazy to think that uh haptic buttons aren't coming it's too late in the development cycle it's going to happen again doesn't give me much reassurance because um as ming chi kuo uh stated in his report uh evt testing the it's an engineering whatever uh it's a it's a it's a material it's testing of the device before it goes in mass production evt testing is still underway 
and they still have time because if they do remove this function, they're reverting back to an older design. It simplifies development and it, it wouldn't set them back any significant time to change that now because mass production has not begun. And mm. that's correct because mass production of iPhones generally does not begin, even if they're even though they make a lot of them, yeah. generally doesn't begin until like June. Uh, right. So right. there is still time to change how those presses are being made and and how those designs are being done there is the question of the iphone 15 dummies that have been going around with right. a, a single elongated button again that's based on the uh current evt design right so mm -hmm. um doesn't matter right they everything can change just like software can change everything this guy said could just disappear overnight because apple made a different decision hardware can change too up to a point and we haven't reached that point yet so the fact that he's doubling down on this based on a fictional timeline that he's that he's leaning into right, right, right. again it doesn't give me much uh, reassurance about his his leaks so you know would mourn the mute switch going away we're kind of excited about the idea of a programmable <laughs> button sure. like an action button but let me ask you this and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong that was never a rumor correct uh the programmable button was just something we all came up with collectively as like apple like people <sighs> I've like that was like brought up in like uh, Mac stories or uh, ATP like as a, ooh, what if, you know, it's a programmable action. But I, I can't remember a specific person saying this. Maybe I'm wrong. But if Ming-Chi Kuo or somebody said, and it'll be programmable, I, I'm sure maybe that happened. Maybe the listeners can help me out here because this is such a specific thing. It's going to be hard to uh, dig up. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now and it looks like it was kind of pontification about it going to solid state buttons that could be programmable. I don't see like a specific rumor or leak leak where someone said it's going to be an action button. Right. And I, but every I think everyone kind of jumped to but what if oh hey uh if the mute switch is just a button what if we could go in software and change what that button does? And and so and the reason why I bring this up is because let me Jeff Poo, I think we've heard of him before. He's an analyst. He writes articles every now and then about Apple, and he's generally gets the right information, but is very wrong about what it means. Uh, he's one of those kind of people. He he actually came out with a story. Hey, uh, haptic buttons aren't happening, and I saw that. Cause I, I'm I'm on the shift, and I'm, I see that come through, and people are reporting. I'm like, I don't want to write about Jeff Poo because like he's who knows. You, you know, it's too, it's too too weird and i need to find a source and i was like digging around seeing like where did this come from i couldn't find his actual statement right whatever wherever mm -hmm. he actually said this and then right then like this is this all happened within 10 minutes of each other ming chi kuo comes out and says no more solid say buttons <laughs> so if you see um shrimp on twitter they posted the kermit drinking tea uh gif over the jeff poo story That's none of my business uh, meme yeah then ming chi kuo post this the very next the very same thing a few minutes later and it's like a dog staring at a phone with bug eyes right like oh my goodness right so shrimp is on board with this i think they knew that this had probably changed they hadn't said anything yet they do sit on a lot of rumors if you yeah. pay attention they they say that i have information that i'm not sharing but yeah like this seems to be the case at least amongst the accurate rumor people that we follow mm. i also have information i'm not sharing it has nothing to do with Apple. It has nothing to do with Apple. <laughs> we all have information that we're uh, sitting on. That, yeah, exactly. Um, but I just, I just wanted to to say that, like, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't think these buttons are happening. It was, it was yeah. a nice idea. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. Listen, if you've never tried mindfulness before, or you're just looking for a way to relieve some of that stress, anxiety, maybe you're traveling and you're worried about that. 
Let me personally recommend Headspace. I've used it for a number of years now. I did not do any kind of mindfulness before Headspace, and I will say it has made a huge difference. We also had a family member that dealt with anxiety for a number of years, and some of the tools that I learned in the Headspace app were really crucial during that time, both for myself and helping those around me. And so whatever it is that you might be struggling with in your mental health, and listen, mental health is important for everyone. It affects your entire well-being. And Headspace does wonders to improve your mental health. It has guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. These tools can help you reduce anxiety, boost your mood, and help you sleep better if you have trouble sleeping. Headspace combines scientifically proven benefits of meditation and mindfulness with modern practices through their experienced meditation teachers. And there's customized, personalized approaches to help you navigate through all of life's moments, big and small. They even have special sessions specifically for travel or for a big life change. An SOS, like you just feel totally overwhelmed and you need something right away. Headspace has things for that too. And you can really get started with just like one to three minutes a day, five minutes a day. That's all it will take. Do it regularly. Do it often. Make it just part of your morning routine. And I promise you will notice a huge difference. Headspace has the world's largest library of content with over 1,000 hours of clinically proven mental health exercises. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide, and they can help you too. So listen, you do not want to miss this. We've arranged something special for a limited time. All of you can try Headspace for free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash appleinsider30. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use our link, headspace, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E.com slash appleinsider30 to unlock all of Headspace free for 30 days. The link is also in the show notes. You can just click it there. This is not something they normally do. Headspace.com slash Apple Insider 30. Again, I highly recommend you try it. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. All right, so let's get through some news very quickly. The Apple Pay savings account supposedly is imminent, possibly even Monday, April 17th. This has been the latest leaks. On Wednesday, earlier this week, a sleuther known as Aaron P613 on Twitter shared that the savings account backend is now active. So Apple has turned that backend on and now it's just the user or front-facing feature for the Apple Pay savings account. Again, this would be a high-yield savings account where the Apple cash that you earn, either from purchases you made through Apple or using Apple Pay or just using your Apple card, that you can have that Apple cash go directly into a savings account rather than using it to pay off the Apple card or just spending it like cash. So maybe Monday we'll see this actually launch. Yep, that's exciting. I'll I'll happily uh, move some money in there and, and play around with it and see what that's like. Yeah, and I'll just start having my Apple cash from whatever Apple Pay purchases I do just go directly into that and we'll see what happens. Do, do you use um, Apple Pay Cash, the Discover card that they have in there? I only use my Apple Cash when I'm paying my Apple card off at the end of the month. Fair. Or if I'm like sending money to someone through Apple Pay, but typically then I'll have to like, fund it through my checking account and it sends that money i just always have to laugh at the fact that it's a discover card because um back back when it first came out i would be at the mall and look at a vending machine and be like i want that gatorade or whatever and go to and and it's like for some reason i have ten dollars on my apple cash i'm going to use this sorry we don't take discover at this vending machine (laughs) (laughs) because for whatever reason that's like the that's the oddball credit card that's like randomly not taken in places but it's strange visa and mastercard you always see those two together yeah they're everywhere everywhere yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember one of my first credit cards was an american express and there were many times where people would be like yeah we don't take that here it's like oh 
Shoot. Yeah. That, again, know. that's another oddball. It's like, why don't you? T- what, what's the difference? I guess they just take too much money. It's it's the percentage. Yeah, back it's the percentage they don't like. transaction yeah. fee or whatever. But yeah, I'll be trying it. We'll see. Also, YouTube announced that SharePlay is coming to the app. If you remember, SharePlay is the feature where you could FaceTime or now even start that in messages with iOS 16. Watch something in sync with someone as you are FaceTiming them. You can also watch the same content. This is in a lot of streaming apps now. And YouTube announced it will be coming in the coming weeks. It's not out just yet, but it will be a premium member feature. So you will have to be paying for YouTube premium in order to use SharePlay. This is actually the first service where I've heard SharePlay is announced and I feel like I would actually do this. I have yet to try SharePlay, I think, with anyone. My wife did it one time and it worked and it was fine. But YouTube, because it's like shorter form content, shorter videos, I feel like I would be more likely to use it. We'll see if I actually do. But the fact that it's premium, I have questions like, do both users have to be paying for premium? Because I I pay for premium because I, I like not having the ads. And, you know, I do listen in the background, which is the other big benefit. So if you like turn your iPhone screen off, you can still be listening to the video in the background, downloading videos, all that. But does the other person you're going to be share playing with also have to have premium? Hopefully not. My understanding is, I may be wrong, is that every endpoint of SharePlay has to have the same app installed on the same device with the same capabilities. Right. So the, the end user would have to be premium as well. Any under, oh, That or you're going to have to pause and wait for them to watch their ads. That would stay. Right. Well, cause, so you get everyone <laughs> has individual controls over subtitles. Uh, it's, it's within their own app. So every every device uh, would launch like the YouTube app right now. Because like if you go watch Ted Lasso together, everyone launches the Apple TV Plus app and they're uh, it's all communicating in sync with each other to right, keep that right, share play right. session going for that to work with YouTube. Everyone have to be running YouTube. And I would assume in order for that to be like a handshake experience, I, I don't see like their phone would say you don't have share play available because you're not premium. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, if you want to share play Disney plus or whatever, both end users have to be paying for a subscription. It's not like all of a sudden Disney plus unlocks itself when you start a share play. Yeah, that would create a lot of issues for other companies like, uh, sure. you know, Netflix and stuff <laughs> doesn't want anyone sharing their passwords, let alone their streams. Right. right? Well, that kind of stinks. I imagine that will limit uh, the use case, but I'll still find I'll find somebody to try. Do you pay for YouTube premium? I don't watch YouTube. What? I, I've mentioned this on the show before. I don't I don't I, I, I don't think I open YouTube for any reason. I think if there's some specific thing I know I'm, I'm looking for, like a video, like a trailer, like I'm a, sure. like the the Marvel's movie trailer. I'm right. going to I guess I'll I'll go to the YouTube URL. I don't even have the app on my phone and watch the uh, YouTube video there and then close it immediately and move on. <laughs> OK, well, th- this uh, this is a good segue then into our next our next topic, <laughs> because HBO who has the HBO Max streaming service as well as HBO Now and HBO Go and just HBO, like all the ridiculous names. They are bringing in the Discovery Plus content because both entities are owned by Time Warner. And so they are combining HBO Max and Discovery Plus, and they've announced a new streaming provider just called Max. Just Max. That's the name of the streaming service. I've never known anyone in real life named Max. So anytime I hear the word Max, I think of Max Goof from Goof Troop. And that's all I hear in my, that's all I see in my head. It's like their, their mascot is Max Goof, just yucking in the background. That is funny. Now, Max is good. It's, it's combined service again. So it's going to have Discovery Plus, HBO Max, all because it's Warner Brothers Studios and all that kind of stuff. Did you, did you catch the date? I forget exactly. Oh, launch date for Max is May 23rd. May, May 23rd is the launch date. So we still have another 
over a month before it comes out. Do you currently, because I know I do, do you currently have the grandfathered in via Apple channels payment plan for HBO? No. So HBO used to be a channel on Apple TV app where you could pay Apple directly uh, through their app in-app purchase service to get HBO and it would appear their entire video library would populate inside of the Apple TV app. It was an excellent experience. I love it. And then they got rid of it uh, when they became HBO Max. But because people were angry, HBO said, okay, if you're already paying through Apple, we'll use this as an authentication token for HBO Max so you don't have to actually shift your payment over to HBO Max. So I'm still paying through Apple for HBO $15 a month, but I expect (laughs) this will finally go away. Well, and I'm curious because I have HBO Max right now, but only because it's included in my AT&T wireless account Hmm. when the iphone 12 launched and 5g became a thing for us iphone users at&t made you move to a new plan like they would not give you quote unquote 5g data on your old unlimited plan so you had to update right and one of the benefits of the new 5g unlimited plan on at&t was you get hbo max for free and so that's how I've been using HBO Max since changing the AT&T plan. I'm curious if that will continue even with this Max thing. But I think Time Warner also owns AT&T. Time Warner owns everything probably except Pepsi. I'm go I my brain just automatically goes back to the the joke from Idiocracy where they're it's just they're all mega corps. This I'm pretty sure they own AT&T as well. That's why me on AT&T gets HBO Max for free. So I imagine I'll still get Max for free. Wait, let me do a more modern reference for uh, our listeners. Uh, Bojack Horseman has a uh, uh-huh. has a has a lot of good jokes about the conglomerates just constantly merging in the background. Oh, uh, yes. That's, anyway, that happens. It, that, such a great show. So anyway, Max, it's coming out. So next month, $10 for ad-supported version, $16 a month for an ad-free version, $20 if you want 4K and Dolby Atmos and four simultaneous streams of Max content. The Netflix model, the one that's definitely working for everyone right now. Uh, we actually, Andrew and I, talk about streaming services at length on the HomeKit Insider episode that's coming Monday. So if you, if you want to really hear more ranting, Andrew had a, a big thought on that. I just have an overall thought now that I feel like sharing, which is I think streaming services are struggling to find their footing, especially when it comes to like content. And I think giving people reasons to watch. I don't know if you... We're getting back to the cable bundle. It is definitely a cable bundle, but like worse because it's like no bundles. <laughs> Splintered. Yeah. Because so here, here's some uh, insider information. I pay for Peacock. Why? Because I watch one thing once a week. <laughs> SNL is only available See? on Peacock. And, and and I cancel it because SNL inevitably goes on a break. And then three weeks later, it's like SNL episode is out. Right. Dang it. I have to go give them 10 more dollars to watch this episode. It's yeah. It's it's crazy. I don't, yeah. Cause you guys just discuss it. I don't want to go on a long tangent. This HBO move honestly tells me I just need to cancel Netflix. And I wonder how many people are feeling the same way. There's just nothing there of any value. There's nothing there. I feel like Netflix, I pay for Netflix. First of all, I forgot I was paying for Netflix for a little while because I wasn't watching anything on it. And then I mm-hmm. realized I was because I wanted to watch something. I forget what it is. But I, I go into Netflix today and I scroll through these lists. The UI and like just navigation is really bad. But I'm scrolling these lists and it has like suggested for you. We think you'll like the top picks for Steven. 
and then good bets. Like these are all individual lists in the Netflix app that are supposedly gearing content towards my preferences. And they're all bad. And they're all bad. Like I don't want to watch anything in any of those lists. I also don't want to have to scroll five different lists for all of them. Here's here's eight <laughs> cartoons that look like Family Guy but aren't Family Guy. <laughs> right. And so for me, like like yourself, I honestly never really watch anything in Netflix. There's nothing left on that platform that I watch because they canceled everything I like. <laughs> like right? They they did Tuca and Birdie Dirty. I even I tried watching a sci-fi thing with uh, Anna Kendrick. Oh. It was this supposed, it was a Netflix original movie and it was about them traveling to Mars or whatever. Honestly, it was kind of insufferable. I love Anna Kendrick. All those art, actors that were in that movie, like they're great in other things. But this Netflix property was like bad. Like it was not good. I, again, I, I guess we didn't want to get on a whole tangent. But sorry, like the whole, sorry. No, it's 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 just the Netflix strategy failed, right? It worked and then it, until it didn't. And it, it was great because the Netflix model was throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. There, it was so crazy that like jokes, even syndicated TV services were, were joking that like, uh, you want some money, just go pitch a show to Netflix. They'll buy it. It doesn't matter what it is. And that w- went on for so long that it kind of became the butt of the joke to the point of their quality. And all they had to really keep anyone invested was Stranger Things. And now everyone's kind of tired of that because yeah. they made a four hour movie. And it's just like, when am I going to have time to watch this? Then now in like in the last few weeks, we've heard that their strategy is shifting just as HBO adopts their strategy, by the way. Right. Um, their strategy is shifting to mimic Apple's. You know, they're going to go for quality content, less content, right. uh, less often. So that is interesting. Disney Plus is actually doing the Apple thing as well. They're spreading their content out they're focusing on their ips that people enjoy right. and then you have hulu and hbo which are everything platforms now and that sorry hbo you you did it to yourself you are now a <laughs> bargain bin grocery cart right. uh, like service yeah. that has everything in it and maybe some hbo but not really first of all when netflix first came out it was like one hit show and that's why you paid for netflix it was like or the backlog like i like i remember back in the day right. i would play like my nintendo ds or whatever and i was a grown adult at the time but i would play my <laughs> yeah. nintendo ds and have like invader zim just streaming in the background because right, like right. they had it you know right. i didn't want to go to itunes and pay 30 dollars for for invader zim it was just on netflix and then there were all these shows avatar last airbender and all these things that like i i loved growing up with and uh, just nostalgia factor I could put on in the background and just listen to and they had all of that content oh of course i'm going to pay 12 15 a month for that sure no brainer all of that is gone that that yeah, nostalgia, that there. that is just went away at least since like 2017 even like i, I feel like that the yeah. service is completely different now and all that to say apple tv plus while they are i think ramping up quantity of content because they trying to have a catalog of stuff I think they are really doing well at the quality. It's still quality. It's quality. We had news. I don't think we got to it last week, but like Keanu Reeves and Jonah Hill are going to be doing something on Apple TV Plus. I watched Tetris the other night. Really Mm. good. Yeah. Like really fun. And Shrinking is great. Ted Lasso is great. I'm excited for the show Platonic that they announced. Uh, There's there's a lot of upcoming titles that look great. Uh, Apple TV Plus has has a good problem. And that is, I mean, me, an avid watcher, can't keep up. There's just, I, I want to watch so much stuff on that platform. I'm behind, like I have a backlog right. that I cannot say the same for any other streaming service right now. When those streaming services, you know, when Amazon comes out with a new season of Fleabag or HBO comes out with uh, season two of Last of Us, I'll go watch it as it comes out or, you know, binge it if it's all one season. And then I, I, I'm done with that service. You know, The yeah. Boys, right? Comes on Amazon. I watch it and then I'm done. And I'm not, I, I, I literally never turn on Amazon again until the next season comes out. But Apple TV Plus, I'm just living in it. And it's $7 a month. 
Exactly. <laughs> $7 for 4K Dolby Atmos. Like Part of that is because, you know, Netflix doesn't have a cell phone. But sure. I've had discussions about this, trying to theorize, like, what happened? What, what has changed with media in the last few years? Why does everything feel like there's just no more content that, that's good anymore, right? Why is the 40th Adam Sandler movie coming out on, on Netflix, right? And is anyone going to watch it? Right. And I, I think it just comes down to that, that concept of because of, like, the pandemic, it's the same issue technology companies are happening right now and why there's so many layoffs going on they inflated too much they saw too much opportunity and the fact that people are stuck at home sitting on their couch watching tv they have to give them something to do so they ordered all hundreds of shows that no one was going to watch unless there was a pandemic going on so uh the the reason (laughs) the reason why i think that streaming is starting to fall apart a little bit and why a lot of shows and things are starting to feel more dull is because there's only two types of shows that exist now it's either marvel star wars where there are 450 hours of backlog content you have to watch or else you're not going to understand what is going on that's on the writers they shouldn't bad on bad on you don't do that don't right. don't give people homework to watch your content so that's why like things like on disney plus are a big shrug right now like do i do i watch miss marvel if i haven't seen infinity war right <laughs> yeah well in order to watch infinity war you need right. 15 other movies yeah. and then there's the other side of the coin of here's all this no-name stuff you've never heard of that isn't seinfeld or friends and you know what this is weird i don't know if i like this the modern humor dry whatever whatever we're getting into it's just getting drier and drier steven yes. um <laughs> um, the, the the modern humor is just getting really dry, really cynical, and uh, sometimes uh, what what's the kind of humor I'm thinking of? Uh, embarrassing humor, like they're just trying to embarrass you. Yeah, like well, no, they're, like they're trying to embarrass, like cringe humor. That's oh, it. They're yeah, trying to yeah, embarrass yeah. you. With, like that's the current style, and and people are like. Not I, what, what am I watching? So, you know, and I, hey, don't get me wrong. I'll watch I Think You Should Leave. Be very cringy. They can be great. But I don't want everything to be that. Anyway, yeah. uh, so guess what? Everyone's just going to go back and rewatch Friends and, right. or put on MASH the office. Or, yeah. or, or watch The Office because you know what? That's comfortable. That's knowledgeable. Yeah. And none of the kids are watching TV. They're all addicted to TikTok. That, and so <laughs> we're in this really weird in between and it it, it comes and goes this happened you know a decade ago it'll happen again now it'll happen again in a decade where it all consolidates and everyone in the writer's room is panicking because no one's watching tv anymore and then all of a sudden the new harry potter series that hbo or well i'm sorry max just announced comes out in 2025 and everyone's watching tv again right so it ebb and flows but our we're the ones on the line with our wallets saying what do i pay for where am i going yeah by the way i just canceled my netflix subscription like just as we were talking I can't do it if only because my family uses it. So oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know what they're watching. I don't even know what they're watching. I can't. I was, did you see, did you hear that Vergecast episode where they did like the streaming service bracket? No, I saw that it exists. I should probably go listen it's, to it's that. An, it's a good episode. Listeners, if you're curious about these streaming services, but Neil Patel from The Verge, the first streaming service he chose to keep because they each could like choose three or whatever for the bracket. He chose TikTok because A, it's free and B, most people find that it provides more value than most streaming services, which is sad, but I also get it. All right, these last two stories that we'll do very quickly. The first one is pretty sad, but Apple PR, former Apple PR head Katie Cotton passed away, actually. She was the vice president of worldwide corporate communications during the Steve Jobs era. She worked at Apple for 18 years and she retired in 2014 three years after Jobs passed. And so there were lots of reactions on Twitter, on social media. We'll put our article in it, but definitely a sad day. Katie Cotton uh, has passed. So Katie Cotton, I had to do a little digging because this is before my time of caring about Apple stuff. Apparently she's she, she was like the 
main mover behind secrecy at Apple, like yes. withholding information from the public in order to make them want more, making the press practically beg for anything because, and that created the zeitgeist around Apple that created the uh, insane sports like coverage of an Apple event where everyone's cheering, right? Like yes, that, yes. that was her. And that's, that was some power move stuff. And that's brilliant, controversial, but brilliant. Um, and uh, how she ran the company because the secrecy to the point of almost breaking laws. Right. So right. I like the Steve jobs, uh, being sick story was part of that secrecy right. campaign. And I remember, I, I guess I, I read about, uh, her being at the center of keeping that withholding that information for uh, a, the longest time. I, I just, I just find that all very interesting. The, the Steve jobs era feels like a hundred years ago, but I know it was only 20 years ago, but, um, 12 years ago he passed. Yes, rest in peace, Katie Cotton. That's that's. I mean, way too young. She was uh, similar age, I think, to Steve Jobs, and um, right. Steve was al- already way too young. And I mean, this being yes. only a few years later, it's still devastating. Yeah. Which, speaking of Jobs, this was the the last piece of news, which is this ebook came out, a free ebook. This is from the Steve Jobs archive. Apple released. This is like an Apple release. It's called Make Something Wonderful. It is a free ebook. You can download it for free in Apple Books. And there's also an EPUB file if you just want to download that. Then you can load that into Apple Books or your e-reader of choice. I actually had someone on Twitter saying they were outside the U.S. and the Apple Books link wasn't working. Then, you know, you could just do the EPUB file. You should be able to download that wherever and bring that into your Apple Books. But this book is unique because Lorene Powell Jobs, she actually has a forward introducing it. And this book is all Steve Jobs' words. Either they were letters and or emails he wrote, notes he wrote, or transcriptions basically from his speeches at various places, whether it was an event or like a university speech. The photos are the best part. I've seen people photos are great. Like sharing the photos on Twitter and stuff. And um, I need to dive into this book, but it it looks like a, a good read, especially for a fan. Uh, just yeah, go get that. Yes. Go get that EPUB file. Go get the Apple book. It's it looks interesting. Don't buy it from eBay. Um, so it, the, it is free. The other news was yeah, there's these crazy eBay things. I'll put a Twitter thread in the show notes from Sebastian DeWitt, people are basically making like they're printing this book out and selling it for like thousands of dollars, which is ridiculous. Like this, there's no physical copy made by Apple. Apple is just putting it out as an ebook and Apple book, at least for right now. So, and it's free. So don't pay for this book, but I'm about a third of the way through it. And I have to say, you know, I read Becoming Steve. I read the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. And this, because it is all straight Steve Jobs his letters, emails, interviews. I think it is a unique and definitely a special look at who he was as a person. And it really started, it's kind of chronological and it's starting with childhood, high school, going to college, working with Wozniak. And it's really heartwarming. The pictures are great. Like there's a picture of him at 18 years old and it's just incredible just to see him at that age. So if you're a fan, I mean, of all, if someone had never read a Steve Jobs biography and they were looking for what to read, I would probably recommend this book. I would, I would recommend this book before even any of those other biographies, because these are actually his words put together in a narrative way chronologically, and it's it's great. I still hope that, uh, do you think that Apple TV Plus could make a Make Something Wonderful either documentary or fictional adaptation? Oh my goodness. Right, because I mean, I feel this is right up Apple's alley. They got the money, they got the directors, the actors. I think they could do it very tastefully and uh, they could, you know, eliminate the things that they don't want uh, done like they, they would have full and total artistic control and it feels like uh, a natural thing for them to do eventually they should 100 percent 
do like a documentary style. I don't think they should do like a dr- drama or fiction because then you have to have someone to play Steve Jobs. Right. And I feel like that is where the downfall is to try and do a fictionalized story or at least, you know, true to life, but, you know, having an actor play him. I think that doesn't work. And I don't think Apple would do that. Just put Pirates of Silicon Valley on Apple TV Plus, please, because <laughs> I don't too. know where to find it. You can't find yeah, it. Yeah, you can't find it. That would be a good one. But I think a documentary style interview, Johnny mm-hmm. Ive, Laurie Powell Jobs, Steve Wozniak, play clips from Apple events, from his university speeches, from those times he did Q&As and he was talking about Wi-Fi way before today. You know, do a documentary like that. Yeah, and I'm, have David Attenborough inter- interview. Oh, everyone. yeah. No, yeah. I think you should have William Gallagher do it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, they're the same They're the same guy, right? Oh, I mean, that's his pen name. Yeah, that's right. a pseudonym. But I think I, I am 100% with you. I think Apple should definitely do that as like a first party thing and it would be great. Yeah, and it, it feels it feels like a, a good way to get Apple TV Plus out there because uh, again, not a lot of people are taking it seriously. Even though there's, geez, there's so much good content, but um, a good way to, to get someone to watch your platform that never would is to put something on there like Steve Jobs. Because while the world may not care about um, fictional dinosaurs or space travel stories, they do know about Steve Jobs and want to know about his legacy. And that would be a good way to get people. And I mean, honestly, though, if they made this, they'd probably make it free for anyone even if you didn't subscribe but i will listeners you can check all that out in the show notes you could follow wes and myself both on twitter and mastodon we're still both places you could find those links in the show notes support the show patreon.com slash apple insider or directly an apple podcast in an ad-free version of the show thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time